welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of the video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Child's Play 3. Child's Play 3, eight years have passed since Andy, now played by Justin Whalen, was able to destroy Chucky, voiced by Brad Dorff. The abandoned factory reactivates, and Chucky's blood is accidentally dripped into the vat where more good guy dolls are being made. Chucky has his new body, so he can find teenage Andy at his military boarding school. Screenplay by Don Mancini, directed by Jack Bender, and released on August 30th, 1991. Had you seen Child's Play 3 before? No. No? <laughs> Where did you stop? Or did it, like, because uh, I only, I, I watched the first and that was it for me for a while. I watched the first two and then I watched Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky and that's where I was like, I'm done. <laughs> because it just got too cheesy, hokey. Even though, I mean, it's always in the second been... one, it, it is. Yeah. It, it kind of always, I mean, when you have a doll coming to life and killing people, it's always going to be somewhat cheesy and hokey. It's to the point where people are just watching it to see this doll swear and say, like, one-liners and stuff like that. That seems to be the thing that happens the, with horror movies, is that they become, like, this camp version of themselves. Even more so. Like, they're self-aware. Like, we saw it with Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, by the time it got to Freddy's Dead, it was just, like... Just a huge wanting, cartoon of itself. Yeah, like, wanting to be funny, but it wasn't funny. Yeah. And it wasn't scary, so it's just, like, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And that's... Kind of like how it is. I mean, I'm not scared of Chucky, like, at all. <laughs> I mean, I was. Um, in the first one, maybe. But then when I watched the other ones, I was like, this is kind of dumb. <laughs> but... Like, I don't know, watching them as an adult, like, it's, it's very was, easy it... to just sort of, you know, say, well, how are you getting the muscle power to do this if you're not actually human yet? And, like, how, do you, how are you able to over overpower these grown-ass adults as this yeah, with your... stuffing-filled doll. Yeah, like strangling people. Yeah, so like that part's kind of always been kind of weird, but like as a kid, like even, <clears> you know, <throat> when I would, I would have been, what, like 10 years old when this came out, like I didn't want to see the ads. Like that ad was the most terrifying thing about the movie is just like a close-up face of Chucky with his red demon eyes. <laughs> and so like... You know, I'd read comic books and flip the page and see that ad staring back at me and I'd freak out. You know, I get that. So, f from a child perspective, it scared me, but, like, you know, watching them as an adult, no, uh, definitely not. It's 
boy, yeah, this this one is already. I mean, the the time period between this and two is very very short. I don't know why they didn't give themselves like even like a couple months longer. They released it on August thirtieth. Why not try to go for an October release date for a horror movie? I mean, I read that. I kind of feel bad because they were kind of whoever the studio Universal Studios was making Don Mancini begin the third one while the second one was like done already. Yeah, they it was like immediately make a third, third before the second had even released. Yeah, they're like immediately write a third one so it can come out like a year later or not even like nine months. No, it's not to say that Don Mancini had to write it, though. Well, he could have farmed it out. I think he just... He's one of those rare writers who has basically done Chucky and almost only Chucky. Which, I kind of like how it's been the same writer. Because you know when you watch even, like, Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I appreciate about this franchise. It's, like, the same writer, and he doesn't... Like, the story does go into... I mean, there are, like, loopholes and whatever, but at yeah. least it explains what happens and why Chucky is, like, revived again and again. Yes. But beyond that, like, one of the things that's a little bit difficult with this third one is you need to have seen at least one or two to understand how Chucky works in the first place. Yeah, with how he... And what takes he is over actually trying to, trying to take over someone's body, but it has to be someone that the first person that he told his real identity to. Right. But once it gets to like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, that's that, out the window. That rule is out the window. Like he can take over like anyone's body because yeah. they they get like some amulet or something. I can't. I kind of forgot. Yeah, I it saw comes... in the trivia that they basically retconned that and like the. They found something that said, you know, if you have this item, then you can inhabit anybody now. Yeah, it's something that in Bride of Chucky where, you know, his girlfriend gets off of his real dead body. Mm. It was something that he had on him. Okay. Because the first one's the only one that actually talks about the voodoo side of things. Yeah, this and the second like, and third. Here's how Chucky. This, this is why Chucky is going after people. He's just people. doing it, and you're like, why? Yeah, it's because he's a serial killer who's inhabited the body of this doll through this spell that he cast as he was dying in a police shootout, and now because he's in this doll, it's becoming more and more human as time goes on, which means he can be bleeding and he can be basically killed. But if any little part of him, I don't know, it gets into another doll, then he gets basically a new body again. Um, and there's, yeah, that whole thing of, like, he can go back into a human body, but it has to be the first person he tells his deep, dark secret to, uh, you know, like, reveals his true identity. And in the first two movies, it's Andy, yeah. the, the little kid, who is a fantastic child actor. And it's one of the downsides of this is that, not that nothing against Justin Whalen at all. But it's weird to have eight years pass. Yeah, it's weird how they they made this. Um, I I don't know. I think maybe I don't know. Don Mancini was just like, let's make him a teenager to make it 
a better story maybe because i mean it yeah, would have been just, like one year later and then right like how, how far can you go andy like is like thing 10 years again. old like right. it's gonna be like the same type of story as the second one so it's like yeah. we gotta jump eight years pretty much I, I think that's how it goes and also to probably just a teenager it. and you know and, he, unless you find a way to get andy out of it all together which would have been unfortunate but also understandable when you're talking about a literal child actor mm-hmm. and enforcing him to do these two grueling movies back to back basically so i'm sure that's part of the decision but I don't know like the military school setting was an interesting choice and one that they basically in a sense abandoned because the final showdown happens in this carnival so I think they kind of you know they could have found a way to revolve around that and not deal with like the military academy side of things but I don't know the end result was kind of like this weird mix of like toy soldiers meets Dolly Dearest and it's just like the worst parts of yeah <laughs> well, I, I think they had to incorporate that carnival scene just for the whole um like the haunted theme ride i mean that they went through if you want to have a haunted theme ride then sure but you could have easily just kept it at the military school with military weapon showdowns you know, you could have had like him being blown up by grenades and shot up on a shooting range and do all these other types of things. Have tuck, you know, I don't know, you know what I mean? I, they could have done something with that, but I think probably Don realized that it was a little bit more limiting than he originally set out set out to be, and he decided to shift that final showdown to something that has a little bit more visual appeal, has more interactive elements to it, rather than just guns. And also, I mean, honestly, like, the people that get killed in this are all very annoying. Yeah, you want them to die. You pretty much want them all to die. I mean, except for, I mean, the garbage guy. The garbage guy did nothing, yeah. He didn't do anything. He was trying, he just heard someone in the back. I mean, the first one is all about revenge. The second one... Is it all about doing whatever he needs to do in order to get to Andy? Mm-hmm. This third one is starting to become more about just, eh, just kill random people. Since I can't get the soul of Tyler, who's the new target, we'll talk about that in just a second. Like, it's, it's, it's yeah, we'll just kill everybody along the way. Like, it doesn't matter who, we'll just do it. And, and we'll reveal ourselves to everybody from the start instead of trying to pretend to be a doll we're just going to basically reveal ourselves to be a sentient doll uh, any chance we possibly can get rather than sneak around and that kind of ruined things a bit too because there's always that psychological aspect of the first two of like no really the doll's alive and everyone else is skeptical of the whole situation this you don't really get into that too much obviously when Andy comes into the school the, the colonel and everyone else is basically saying, you know, we know about this history, we think you're full of it, so on and so forth. Uh, hopefully that's behind you now. But there isn't really a situation where they have to, like, pretend that the doll is real or not, or that he has to... He doesn't have to do a whole lot of convincing. I guess so. Because Tyler sees it right away. Andy knows about it already. Yeah, it's just the other 
kids who are, are his age. Yeah, they're just more trying to find out things about Andy rather than, like, they don't care about the doll because the doll's just around in the school, usually with Tyler. So, like, the other people who are affected by the doll or who are killed by him don't even know that it exists until they can, they're confronted by it. Yeah, until they see it. And yeah. they're like, oh, it's a... It, well, I guess, okay, between the second and third movie, the Playpal company, were they, because of what happened in the factory eight years ago, they stopped playing, making good guy dolls for about eight years? Is that, like, my assumption from the beginning? Yeah, basically, like, yeah. And then, so eight years later, they're like, okay, let's begin making Playpal or whatever, good guy dolls again. Uh-huh. And, um, because there's, like, a part where Tyler's watching... Well, the TV is on, and he sees a commercial for the good guy doll, and he's, like, enamored. He's like, whoa. Like, but I think... I don't know how old he is. Like, 10-ish? He's probably what Andy's age was in the first couple, but yeah. So, yeah. I think he, he even says his age, and I don't remember anymore, but yeah, he's probably, like, 10. Yeah, he's, like, the youngest... He's, like, the only little kid in this teen... Yeah, it's mostly, like, a high school, but... High, yeah, military school. They indicate that his dad is shipped off... And so he's basically there while his dad is serving yeah. overseas. So, I mean, he's never seen a good guy doll because when they were popular, he was like a toddler. So he probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have known. So he sees like the commercial and he's like, whoa, I want one. And then, I mean, Chucky <laughs> uh, comes to life from his blood. <laughs> This is what drives me. This is one of the stupidest parts of the movie, and I think it's, again, something to deal with the the rushed script. Yeah. Like, they crush all... Like, because in the second movie, he is just, like, melted from being, like, burned and whatever. And exploded. Explodes. And and then there's, like, the... And then they just leave that melted piece in the factory for eight years. Like, they don't clean it up. Yeah, the entire factory has just been left to to rot, and I guess nobody cleaned no it up. No one came by, and then they left this mold. Because you see, like, all of the cobwebs <laughs> over every single little yeah. bit of machinery. Except when the crane comes and grabs this blob. Yeah, the blob that he somehow, died in. I, I don't know who's <laughs> controlling the claw or why it's even picking it up at that point and why they're doing it that way. It goes over this active vat. Everything else in the factory is like pure cobwebs and dust. Yeah, but here's this giant, vat. giant vat of plastic that's being mixed. Yeah, and that's... And his blood falls they, from that claw grab into that vat of plastic. But I'm saying they, they didn't throw that blob from eight years ago. They just added that blob from eight years ago into the new plastic. They did not add it to the new plastic. They... They, they craned it over the plastic and the oh, blood I see. And then his blood spilled into yes. the vat. Okay. But the plot hole obviously is at least twofold. One is they should have cleaned that up eight years ago. Just yeah. like have somebody pick it up and like throw it in the fucking garbage. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Like why <laughs> leave that two, blob there? Why is it going above? Why is this the dirty vat. thing going <laughs> yeah. above the, the active vat? And three, why is that active vat actually active when everything else seems to be completely shut down and dirty still? 
Well, then also... And then four, why are there not multiple Chuckies? Because yeah, that's his blood spreads thing. throughout the vat. So, but I, I, also, I think that was planned, right? That was yeah, Don Mancini was planning to do multiple Chuckies, but he doesn't do that until later on. Yeah, and this one is just like, yeah, the script kind of got away from him because of time constraints and just kind of got left in. And it becomes something of a uh, curiosity, if you're paying right. attention Right, and then the so he has a new body now, and... <laughs> But it's like in the in the new factory, he just immediately just lights up, and he's like, "Oh, I'm in a new body. Time to find Andy." Like he just. Well, it's kind of funny though. It's like when the credits, when the credits are going, it's like you know him being formed. Yeah. Right, and then like after after he's like finished and stuff. And like he's just like screaming, he's like no, like he's yeah. like sad. Like he's, that he's mad alive that he again. well, he's mad that he's like now in in the same fucking body. Yeah, again. I think that's more what it is, but it's just kind of funny. Like it's just him screaming. Yeah, he's like yeah. Like, no. Well, that's what. Then he's like, I gotta find Andy. <laughs> yeah, now I gotta fucking find Andy again. Uh, <clears throat> so he kills Sullivan who is the the head of the toy place who actually was like the only one in favor of bringing back the good guy dolls and never gives a good reason as to why they're bringing that doll back specifically because the public did not want it anymore because of its association with Andy and the events and everything that permeated into right and what the happens world. with his mom and everything yeah, yeah and so, so but he's like, well, it all comes down to the bottom line. You gotta make yeah, money. Yeah, capitalism. Like, no, I mean, but you make money with things that you know will sell, and the public is telling you they don't want this. But I <laughs> so mean, it's just stupid logic. But then you have kids who are like Tyler's age. That's like, oh, I want this. Yeah. So I mean, you bring back the cartoon, you just sort of force it on people and hope that enough of them do it. Um, but I mean, honestly, that's not really what happens. Chucky breaks into Sullivan's computer after killing Sullivan and <laughs> somehow is able to look up where Andy is. I guess Sullivan has that information on but his computer. Why would a toy CEO or whatever <laughs> of a company, a toy company have that information? The only thing I can think of is if there were like lawsuits against him or he oh, okay. tabbed because it was related to his company or something. But I don't know why they would have his... Andy's personal information to serve lawsuits or keep to I don't know but who knows what the lawyers would have that yeah I don't know it's it's <laughs> yeah it's all movie this is I know that yeah but it's just like a toy CEO guy has personal information on Andy yeah and it's like super easy to find yeah it took who knows Chucky like computer. three clicks and he's like all right he's going to he's like, at this right. military school now so chucky mails himself which i don't know how that works yeah who wrapped him who <laughs> put the label on him magic yeah voodoo yeah okay another chucky doll well that's one of the multiple chucky dolls that were actually alive or unless he just you don't see this on screen he pulled the gun on someone and was like wrap me up or something could be um yeah, you get this. I mean, I do like how these movies start immediately. Like, there's no yeah. whatever, like, bullshitting. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just starts. And I'm yeah, like, okay, I'm into it. The first one starts with, like, the police shootout with, you know, uh, Charles Lee, whatever. Charles Lee Ray. Or... Ray. 
and uh, you know yeah the, it, the, the human these form. movies start immediately and you're like okay I'm into it yeah it's not just like I don't know it's no slow build up which which is I mean good. which is good like some sometimes you just need these movies to just start uh, whatever yeah very but, true. I mean, and then, yeah, he mails himself, and then immediately that's when uh, he appears, and Tyler opens him up, and he's like, wow. It's... And then Chucky yeah. just immediately comes to life, and... Well, he, he well, he's expecting Andy to unwrap him. Yeah, but Tyler... And Tyler, Tyler's supposed to deliver it to Andy. Yeah. He's like a favor to the postman, because he's a little kid, and he wants something to do, and so he's been given something to do. It's, hey, can you deliver this to the new guy? And so he... He's going to do that. The The package falls down the stairs and gets ripped off, and he sees it's this doll that he wants, and so he just steals the fucking doll. Right. Um, and so Chucky, like, jumps out of the package immediately, thinking that Andy is going to be on the other side of the wrapping paper. And it's that's an effective yeah. shot. Yeah. But then, like, Tyler's, like, automatically cool with it. He's like, oh, cool, you're my new doll. Well, like, he's not scared at all. <laughs> no, because, I mean, the good guy dolls... They talk to you and stuff, so yeah. he's just like, "Yeah, cool." Yeah. He came to life immediately. And Chucky's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And he's like, "Don't swear, Charles." Yeah, Remember he's Chuck? constantly telling. Don't swear, Chucky. It's like I thought you only knew two phrases. Like I'm new and improved. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing. It's like he, Chucky is given a lot more lines in this, as a, compared to the other two, um, and. We're heading more into the one-liner territory. Because you have, like, don't fuck with the Chuck. Yeah. You have, I'm new and improved. And all I mean, these other this... Things. I... If these move, uh If I saw these in the theater... I think these are movies that you would watch in a movie theater with other people. So you can laugh along with, like, a hundred other people. Yeah, but I would be laughing at, at like, how, how cheesy, cheesy it is. Yeah, but exactly. that I mean, still... I guess so. You're having maybe that's what more the point fun. is. Because <laughs> you're watching it now and you're just like, all right. Yeah. He's saying swear words. Right. But um. And he's flipping everybody off. But like then, that, that was yeah. like a joke in the second one that just got run to the ground in the second. In the I second mean, one. it's it was funny in the first movie. I. Yeah. I liked it in the first movie yeah. when. He's in that elevator with that old couple, and they're like, ew, such an ugly doll. And he's like, fuck you. I mean, that's hilarious. But, I mean, then now he has to say it over and over and over and over again. And you're like, okay, once was enough. Now he's just like um, a little little stinker. Now he's like a twerp running around. And then it, it, it dawns on Chucky. He's like, I'm in a new body, so I can take over... Tyler, basically. He's like, whoever the first person I see mm-hmm. and tell my real story, um, I'll take over their body or possess them. So he's trying to... It's The weird thing, too, is like Tyler's like, okay, he just lays there and he's like, I know Chucky's like, let's play a game, because he did this with Andy when Andy was a, like six. Mm-hmm. So they just lay and they're like, all right, whatever. Like, is it done yet? Like, what are you doing? Like, they don't seem scared. But Chucky's probably just like, yeah, just let me finish this thing. And then, you know, we'll be done. But, you know, he's in the middle of possessing Tyler. But, you know, it always gets cut off because someone comes in the room or whatever. 
Yeah, always it always happens that way, which is another one of those things where Chucky's able to like find his way around really easily, and you'd think he'd be able to find a good spot somewhere between that first interaction and the end of the movie. Like he wouldn't have to go into a carnival and go inside of a ride to find a quiet spot to do hide the soul. Mm. You know, there's plenty of places just in the woods that yeah, they would I think not they find. just wanted the haunted house. Of course they did. To make it scarier. Of course they did. I'm just saying like there's plenty of empty rooms. Yeah. In, in the school. You could have done it anywhere. Yeah, I get it. So that's yeah. Anyway, and then there's just people killed along the way, of course. You got the the truck driver who's just killed just to be killed. And it's kind of unfortunate because you don't even really get to see much of anything. That's the other thing that's kind of disappointing about this movie is that the deaths are not super graphic or interesting. Not as much as, like, the first one. I mean, the first one also had some, like, basically off-camera stuff in a way. Well, you you can't really... show him actively killing someone well i don't uh, know you (laughs) well i mean like the first one like you remember like the the mom's friend fell out the window and onto the car but you get to see her fall onto the car at least yeah but you don't see him pushing her or throwing her you see her getting hit in the head with a hammer and then she like falls back okay but like in this one you see the the truck driver in an earnest scared stupid situation where he is yeah, he's stuck in, in the, the back, back of the tra- trash truck about to be smushed and you see his hand come up and then the, and then it cuts away before the hand even gets smashed and then they show the arm broken with like after the fact yeah, yeah, yeah. With blood so it's it's like we're we're being cheated out of like the Seeing cool gory the effects yeah and then like Cochrane the asshole colonel who interrupts the hide the soul game and who's just like a pure dick to Andy or whatever, when he interacts with Chucky, Chucky like flashes the knife getting ready to stab him and yells and he just has a fucking heart attack. Yeah, that was... And falls over. That was so weird. Um, I think think it's supposed to be funny, but I think the most clever death was the first death of the toy guy. The first two deaths of yeah. the toy guys. I mean, you, you talk about how like it, it gets to things really quickly. He's the first one to die, Sullivan, and I don't really know why he has to die. But whatever, fine. I mean, Chucky's a killer. He's a fucking killer. It's fine. Yeah. But like that was kind of a slow build of like watching Sullivan like unwind and get his like booze and then play his little golf game for a couple minutes. But using and... all the other toys to freak him out. Yeah, and then he builds like this army of toys and comes after him and stuff. That's that's fine, I guess. Um, if it, the but then like the barber. That. Yeah, that was He just like whatever. slices his throat. I, I, but I was like, that. I didn't like the, that barber. Was, that character was just weird. He was he very was... pervy. He was like child molestery. He was splooging over the idea of haircuts just in general. He's like, "Oh, I love haircut." Like that's his whole life and his whole life. Like you, like, you need a haircut oh, in three days. Come to yes, me. You Wednesday. You Tuesday. You it's tomorrow. It's so fucking weird. Um, so I'm like, glad he died. Yeah. And then, 
But yeah, though he, you do see he that was, he was he slashing his throat. Yeah, he was going to get Chucky. He sees Chucky sitting in the chair, and he's like, "You need a haircut." Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. just like stupid motivation. And the other stupid thing is like, okay, when Chucky gets released, right? Like Cochran finds the hide this whole game. He throws the doll into like the trash, and then. That's why he kills the the trash truck driver is because he wants to be able to escape, which is stupid because he could escape anyway because he did get out on his own to get in front of the truck to kill the driver. I don't know why he had to lure that guy. Uh, he hide, He's immediately able to get to Andy, hide under his bed, and like slash his leg. Yeah. And then that becomes no factor at all. Andy is perfectly fine the entire rest of the movie. He's not limping. He doesn't bandage it up at all or anything. But you hear him go like, ah! And like, because he's slashed with a knife in the back of the leg, practically like tendon severing. But no, yeah. he's, he's cool. Whatever. You can just do whatever from here on out. I mean, if he's getting your like Achilles heel, you can't walk. No, but he does. Like, it's basically as if he didn't touch him. Yeah, he kind of just it looked like as if he just poked him a little or something. Right, yeah, he's like, oh, a little mosquito bite. I don't know. So there's this other asshole who's Lieutenant Colonel Shelton, who's another teenager, probably like a year or two older than Andy at the most, if anything. They yeah, might be I the didn't same age. understand why he was somewhat in charge, unless he just was... seniority and... Yeah, he, he was probably, like, senior year and, you know, Andy's, like, junior year. Yeah, and Andy wanna... is, like, literally brand new to this school. Yeah. he's His mom is institutionalized because of the events in the first movie, which is a shame because I liked her as an actress and I wish her character would have had I kind of wish they brought her back. I know people come back in these movies. Yeah. Like, Kyle from the second one is in others as well i know yeah and i know they bring the original andy back yeah the original andy does come back in curse of chucky cult of chucky and cult also chucky, the tv yeah. series yeah um, that was played by alex vincent really really fantastic child actor yeah uh that's what i i mean the actress who probably plays the mom i don't know i mean they yeah, but they i just want the character too like maybe she didn't want to be in these movies but honestly she married like a key figure of the of production the, yeah I forget who. I don't know why I didn't write that down. But, like, Catherine Hicks, like, she... I don't know. Like, she married someone. So it's not like she hated the experience. She's like, you know... I don't... Yeah, I don't... But at least bring the mom character back. I, yeah, like, no I matter wish, who plays her. Yeah, I, I wish I wish that could have been a factor. Like, you know, like, Andy trying to rescue his mom from the institution. Yeah, they like just T2 never... Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, nope. Um, and so yeah, he's he's now at the thing. Anyway, so Shelton is also there. He's another just dick. Everyone in this school is a dick to each other. Everyone hates each other. The only one who's kind of nice on the men's side is Whitehurst, who is Andy's nerdy roommate, um, who is, you know, bullied because he wears glasses, it seems. You know, it's that yeah, type of, like, yeah, that, whatever. That trope where if you wear glasses, you're a nerd and you get bullied. And then on the girls' side, because it's a co-ed military school you have De Silva who calls Shelton out on some you know his some aggressive bullying. bullshit and uh you know she shows off and whatever yeah. and, and and Andy has a crush on they, her they have yeah. crushes on each other yeah 
so I don't know uh, where was I going with that. So yeah, Shelton after Andy's leg is slashed, Shelton comes in for a surprise inspection because I guess that's like one of his things. It's like an RA at a dorm or something like that. He finds the doll and he takes it and madness ensues i guess sort of except but not really so like basically chucky is able to get loose he kills cochran he kills the barber guy and now all of a sudden there's the annual war games happening uh where the whole school is split up into red versus blue and they have paintball guns and they're gonna go out and they're gonna do these things um even though cochran is dead they're like we gotta do this for cochran yeah and uh chucky in the meantime is replacing all of the bullets, all of the pink gun bullets with real bullets on the red team's side, but in other shots we already see that the red team has all of their guns, so I don't know exactly when he's able to make that swap. Um, but I guess it happens at some point, because later on, it happens. Um, so they're all camping outside now, so this is where we start to get away from the school. Basically, like, say goodbye to the school, it's not going to be there anymore. Tyler is also part of these war games. This little kid. This little tiny, like, ten-year-old kid who's, like, half the height of everyone else. He's on well, the he red team. He has to do it. I don't know. He's a part of the school. I guess so. He He's he's on the red team. Everyone else that's, like, that we like in the movie is on the blue team. Mm. And um, Shelton is also on the blue team. And Shelton's second-in-command, Alice, is on the red team. I think, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter that much. Anyway, they're camping outside now. They're telling scary stories. They admit their crushes to each other. There's a little bit of kissing. We see that they're near this carnival that's down this hill. Um, and Andy wants to go to Tyler because he knows that Tyler's in danger because Chucky's had this conversation, basically saying, I don't need you anymore. I have a new person. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna you know, and Chucky's Tyler, and loose. that scares Andy. Yeah, so he's trying to break free, try to find the red camp before anyone else, so that he can get to Tyler and, and save him from Chucky. <sighs> anyway, the, the, Chucky is able to get like the the intercom, the walkie talkies. Yeah, and like send both of them towards each other. Um, you know, again, like under the guise of the war games. But Chucky knows that he's replaced the guns, and so when the red team shoots, Shelton gets shot with a real bullet. And now, here comes Chucky, like, just announcing himself to everybody and, like, basically showing him that he's a real doll yeah, the whole to the entire school. fucking school. They don't know what the hell's going on, but they know that Chucky has a real grenade that he throws and is threatening... And everything. And then this is like Whitehurst, like just. And then Whitehurst, like, he kills himself basically. And his one, one act of courage because like the whole thing is Covers like he's, he's been afraid to act and do anything. Yeah. And he want like Andy wanted him to help Tyler, but Whitehurst refused to believe that what he saw, because uh, he saw the barber get killed. He, you know, kind of wanted to refuse to believe that what he saw was real, and now like. He throws himself on top of the grenade and takes it, but, like, the grenade's, like, a pilly little shit. Like, again, like, the the effects in this are so Yeah, it wasn't, minimal. like... Minimal. It's, like, a... Terim- it's not, like, World War One. Yeah, where, you don't like, see, like, an explosion. exploding to several pieces. It it's doesn't just... even cut away to, like, a fake body that explodes. It's just, like, little, like, 
poof of smoke underneath yeah, him. Yeah, underneath He's him. He's dead now. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing that we don't get to see, like, the, the fun of the horror movie. I don't know. Yeah. Like, anyway, so they assume, I don't know, I don't even know how they made the leap that they needed to go to the carnival. Like, Chucky kills a security guard at the carnival, but yeah. yeah I, I don't know how Andy and, and uh, De Silva realized that they needed to go to the carnival. Maybe they went there in well, hopes when they of were help. confessing their crushes on each other De Silva points out because she's like hey don't you wish you were there right now or some shit yeah but I think I forget if they went there because they assumed that they could find like help Tyler yeah okay because I mean or if Tyler they're hoping to find Tyler there I don't know if Chucky like said that they he's gonna take him there I don't know probably not like why would you announce it to any of your enemies where you're gonna take this guy to do the hide this whole thing um anyway they go into this demon's lair ride which is massive much bigger than what it's the like, outside indicates yeah like 10 the, times the size of what ten, it it's like. bigger than the carnival it looks yeah basically like. it's the size of the carnival once you're actually in there tons of places to hide um tyler is able to get away from chucky to a degree and like hide inside of a thing and andy's there and De silva's there and chucky has a gun and he shoots De silva in the leg and then, like, for some reason, the ride also has, like, this giant Grim Reaper thing with the scythe that has a blade sharp enough to slice, slice part of Chucky's face off. Right. Um, and, like, you know, train cars with actual ride passengers are coming through, and so, like, they have to, like, duck down into the, the tracks to make sure they don't get run over and shit like that is happening, too. And, like, this is when I, I wrote down, like, they don't explain the lore of this at all. Like, they don't explain, like, why he has to do this chant and, like, <laughs> like anything that's going on. Yeah, we don't know much. It's about... in the first one. Like, it's, it's in the first one, but, like, who's he? Okay, whatever. I don't yeah, know. So, anyway. <laughs> so, he's at this top of the Mountain of Skulls, which also exists in this ride. And it looks higher than what the outside of the ride looked like. Um... And he's doing the chant, and in order to stop the chant, Andy has to shoot him, and they, they, the movie made this big thing about Andy's not good with the gun. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why he wouldn't have tried to be at some point, considering the history. Like, try to learn how to be good with the gun, just in case. Uh, but Who, Andy? Yeah. I mean, he's been in this school, like, a week. But just in personal life, like, go to oh, shooting because, ranges and, like, Because learn. of what's going on with, with yeah, his life? from his history. Like, I guess, I mean, he's not, it's not like... Be prepared in case Chucky might come back. It's not like T2. I think after but those eight years... But he should treat years, it like it. I mean, you'd think the trauma would have made it so he would I think he was probably out. like, oh, I don't know, he was like ten when it finally... Or, like, eight when it finally ended, so... I would have wanted to be prepared. All right. Just in case, um, if it happened to me twice, I would have assumed it yeah, might he's happen get, again. Like you're all you're paranoid for life. So yes. yeah, I get it. Yes. Anyway, Andy is able to shoot his arm off and and stop the procedure from happening. The chant is 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 uh, That's delayed like the again. Chant yet yeah, this I don't know how long the yeah, chant. Yeah, I don't know has, how long the chant has to go on. Because in the in the very beginning of the first movie, it seems like it's like five minutes. Yeah, and, like, the cop is somehow not able to find him while he's doing the channel, which is stupid. Uh, anyway. Even though, yeah, like, when he starts the chant, you see all the, 
the clouds forming or mm-hmm. whatever and like a storm happens and then there's always like a everywhere he does this chant there happens to be like a skylight or something yeah that was like in the first and second movie yeah there's always like a way to see what's happening um anyway so yeah andy shoots the one arm off he's able to get to tyler and like chucky's like on him and whatever like basically the the long and short of it is that andy's able to (sighs) this is also really fucking stupid throw chucky down to where there's an open spinning fan at the bottom yeah, of the, that, I mean, the mountain this of ride, skulls. Yeah, yeah, this ride is like It's the most dangerous, dangerous fucking thing in the world. <laughs> and it's meant for like families to go through. And so Chucky is thrown into the spinning fan and destroyed again. Um, happy ending. Okay, no so chunkies. the lore or whatever from the first movie, it's like for him to die, he has to get shot in the heart. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of like ruined the lore in the first movie too because they say like he needs to be destroyed in the heart because the longer he stays in the body, the more human he becomes. Yeah. And the way to kill him is to kill the heart. They definitely sever the heart and he comes back again and kills the other detective guy who is skeptical. That's... So they pretty much have to like destroy the entire body. His whole body. And they do that kind of again in the second one, except the heart is not severed. It's just the head gets blown up. Right. But the other parts are like encased in goo and can't get out. So he's like technically alive, but not. Basically. He he just doesn't have a head. So his soul has been living in that thing for like eight years. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. And, and in this one, he's just, yeah, like, the he gets whole body ripped is... Of, like, his, yeah, he's still technically alive because his body is just in random parts. And then in this one, yeah, he's... I'm but just, everyone we're, we're else... To but wouldn't that the Andy know? Because him. Andy was, like, the one would, that would know because his mom found out about the heart thing. Wouldn't well, his mom tell Andy? We don't know if he know. is allowed contact with his mom, for one... Um, two, I don't know if she ever got a chance to tell him. And three, I mean, the doll is destroyed again. So it's not like yeah, he can in just, his like, mind, he can't do the T2 reform. Yeah, yeah, in Andy's mind, he's like, okay, he's dead. He's, he's gone. destroyed. It's because, dead. I mean, it's we gone. destroyed him in the second one. Yeah. We destroyed him again. Yeah. But then the way it ends, it's just like the entire carnival just shuts down. Yeah, like there's <laughs> like people, the like, cleaning up the carnival. <laughs> And, like, they just turn off the lights while these people are cleaning the carnival. <laughs> like, and then everyone gets rushed to the hospital, and it's kind of, like, the end. It's so stupid. I don't know. The first two are fun. Like, I, I, I don't know. When I when I watched the first one I mean, back in, like, college... Yeah, the worst of the three. I really didn't like it as much, but now watching the first one again recently i enjoyed the first one i enjoyed the second one i thought it was a pretty good follow-up that actually made sense yeah and had like good new characters and everything like that and then the third one was clearly crapped out and well it's it, it you I, can it's, tell because it's it really was, like not, rushed yeah I, I don't really blame the writer he just happens to be on the credits because he wants to take ownership of his property um, but yeah, you can definitely tell that this has a lot of problems because it didn't have time to, to bake. So, I don't know. I I know you're not going to want to revisit them, but I mean, I'm... Wait, you want to watch the other ones? I'm kind of interested. I mean, I'll like watch Bride. Of Bride. Chucky. I'll 
watch Bride, but like the Bride other of Chucky ones... is seven years after this, and then they took another six years for Seed of Chucky, then another seven years for Curse of Chucky, and then four years for Cult of Chucky. So it's not like they they didn't crank them out from there on out. And yeah, now there's the TV series. Thought, yeah, the TV series. And also there's a 2019 reboot yeah. movie, which is separate. I don't think Don Mancini actually wrote that one. I, I didn't actually I write down so. every single thing that he did, but I don't think he wrote that one. No, it wasn't. But it's, I mean, based on the first. Yeah, based on one. the original one. Which I, I completely forgot that it existed, but yeah. No, I remember it. I was just like, when I yeah, saw like, it. Yeah, like why? Yeah, I was like, why are they doing this? Yeah. And I know that when I said, like, doll, when we were talking about Dolly Dearest, that I really do not like the doll as a villain thing. Because, like, again, like, my main problem is, how can you not overpower this fluff? Like, it's a, basically like a, a toy, a stuffed animal. You can just, like, fling but it across the, the room. With Chucky, he's, like, a, a small human. He's, like, a superhuman thing, though. Like, even, like, a little, I don't know, if I had, like, a... a a child. A thing on my back the size of a two-year-old. I should be able to overpower that. But do that. you know the weight of a two-year-old, though? But I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, movie logic. Yeah. You have all of these, like, high-powered people. All of these, like, muscular whatever. The You know, like, the army people. And they're getting bested um, physically by this thing who's largely stuffing-based most of the time. And that's what I really don't like about these doll things. The puppet effects as well are worse in this one than in 2 and 1. I think this is when they started to do, like, computer graphics. I think they just didn't care to make it look realistic. I think it was a different special effects team than at least number 2. Probably number 1, I would assume. It just seemed like it was a different team, and they just, like, off camera, they just like waddled a doll to make him walk. But this, um, yeah, this just time the they legs. only show his feet making steps. Like yeah. they don't show the full body. But it, I it, think it looks in the first worse. two, they had like a they had a real person in it. The first one they definitely did in some scenes. I think they had animatronics at certain points too. Yeah. Here, I don't think they went that far. I think they really cut the budget as much as humanly possible, and, and it really, really shows. All the all the effects of Chucky are bad. All of his angry faces are always really funny looking to me. I mean, in terms of box office success, it was not super, super successful, but it did make its budget back at least. I mean, yeah, the budget was 13 and they made 20 million. So, I mean, they did what did okay, moderate. had to be done. Yeah. It's kind of like how the Ernest movies were, though. Like, yeah. the first two were so. massive of a success. Yeah, the first two were, like, so insanely, like, had huge box offices or whatever that's why they wanted to churn these out but i mean yep you're not gonna worked um in terms of uh, awards however they got a couple nominations despite not being a very good movie at the saturn awards which as a reminder is for sci-fi fantasy and horror it was nominated for best performance by a younger actor for justin whalen Uh, he lost to eddie furlong it was also nominated for Best Horror Film, but lost to Silence of the Lambs. Um, and also at the Fangoria Chainsaw nomination for Best Supporting Actor for Andrew Robinson, who uh, was the person who played the barber. Uh, he lost to Brad Dorif for Body Parts. 
Um, moving on to cast and crew, Jack Bender was the director of this. I thought it was okay in terms of directing. I really liked the way 2 looked. Like, the visual style of 2 was a lot better. It had, like, very nice, dynamic, wide lenses. Um, really created a nice little claustrophobic atmosphere where you could still see a whole bunch of stuff. Um, anyway, Jack Bender, as the director of this one, is an Emmy winner for producing Lost, uh, also nominated for Northern Exposure and Game of Thrones, where he has also produced and directed episodes of those. In 1991, he did the movies The Perfect Tribute and I'll Fly Away. Uh, he did Eight is Enough, the Paper Chase TV show. He did uh, It Came from the Sky, which he also wrote. He's directed Felicity, Alias, Under the Dome, and Mr. Mercedes. Don Mancini is the writer, pretty much all Chucky. Uh, he has done Cellar Dweller, an episode of Tales from the Crypt, couple episodes of Hannibal, the TV series, and also Channel Zero, uh, the TV series. Justin Whalen is Andy Barclay, Emmy winner for a CBS School Break special called Other Mothers, Young Artist nominated for Santa Barbara, and also Perfect Harmony, which is a 1991 movie, and also a guest spot on Blossom. He's been in TV series like Charles in Charge and The Young Writers, which we've talked about before, uh, Serial Mom, and Lois and Clark, where he played Jimmy Olsen. That was the the, uh, the Dean Cain one. Uh, he was also in the 2000 movie Dungeons and Dragons, and he retired from acting in 2009. Perry Reeves played De Silva, the love interest. She's in 1991's Plymouth, and also an episode of Doogie Howser that same year. She's been in Escape to Witch Mountain, Kicking and Screaming, Smoke Signals, Old School, and uh, Entourage. I don't know who she played in Entourage, but she's in she 75 was... episodes of that. She was uh, Jeremy Piven's wife. She's good in Jeremy Entourage. Piven's wife? Okay. Because yeah. I didn't know the character name. Oh, she's Melissa Gold. Okay. I mean, she's good in Entourage. Uh, Jeremy Silvers played Tyler, the, the little boy uh, who, you know, was the new target. Only other acting roles are one episode of Say by the Bell and one episode of My Wife and Kids, like, ten years later. Travis Fine played Shelton. The, the asshole kid. <laughs> he was in 1991's The Young Writers as well for 51 episodes. He was uh, he played one of the Menendez brothers in Menendez, A Killing in Beverly Hills. He was in Girl, Girl Interrupted, and he's also been a writer and director for independent movies The Others, The Space Between, and Any Day Now. Whitehurst was played by Dean Jacobson, who is in uh, Lobster Man from Mars, which I... It's a night... I, I never heard of that thing, but it sounds interesting. Uh, Junior and also TV 101. A lot of people are in TV 101. It's weird. We talked about Brad Dorf, the voice of Chucky, before uh, when we watched Body Parts and also Jungle Fever. He's also in Chain Dance, Scream of Stone, and London Kills Me this year alone. Peter Haskell played Sullivan, the boss at the beginning. He's the only other carryover from Child's Play 2 that appears in this movie. Because he had like a brief scene in Child's Play 2 at the beginning as well. Uh, he was in a 1991 episode of Matlock and also Babes, the TV series. Uh, and also something called Caution, Murder Can Be Hazardous to Your Health. Uh, he, he's known for his work on TV series such as Search for Tomorrow, Rich Man, Poor Man, Book 2, Bracken's World. Uh, and then Colonel Cochran, I think was visually one of the more recognizable actors to me. He's like a longtime character actor. Deck and Matthews played him. He's in 1991's Doctor Doctor TV, uh, Down Home, the TV show, Drexel's Class, which is something we talked about a bunch before. Who's the Boss? 
this is all 1991 stuff, by the way. The Whereabouts of Jenny, Eve of Destruction, The Perfect Tribute, White Hot, The Mysterious Murder of Thelma Todd, Jailbirds, and then she was gone. Like, he's in everything. Like I said, big character actor. One quick little thing I want to say is Eden Gross is the, the voice of the good guy doll. So, mm -hmm. like, the non-Chucky voice of Chucky. We've talked about him before because he was uh, one of the kids in And You Thought Your Parents Were Weird. Um, and then uh, Andrew Robinson, again, uh, Fangoria nominated for his role as the barber. Technical name is Sergeant Botnick. I don't think they ever said that in the movie at all. Um, Emmy nominated for his role in Ryan's Hope, where he played Frank Rob Ryan for 169 episodes. In 1991, he was on episodes of L.A. Law and Matlock. He was also in Prime Target and Into the Badlands. He got his start as playing the villain in Dirty Harry and then went on to do things like The Drowning Pool, Cobra, Transfers 3. He played Liberace in a Liberace TV movie and also a notable role in Star Trek Deep Space Nine as well. With that, we can go to True Crime and Pop Culture. Okay, so this, when I was reading up the trivia about this movie, I noticed that there was con some controversy how this movie specifically, or just the Child's Play movies, were linked to a couple of murders that happened. They both happened in England. Okay. Before I get to that, I guess this movie was released on August. 30th 1991 that was a Friday that was also the same we haven't talked about this movie yet the same release date as Dead Again Child's Play 3 opened in second place behind Dead Again okay. before I get to these murders this is major trigger warning for child deaths they're both deaths of children or minors and kidnapping, torturing. The first one is the murder of James Bulger. I remember hearing about this because when I would listen to podcasts mainly about the West Memphis Three, mm. they mentioned this murder because this is a murder of a child by other children. Just as the, yeah, West Memphis Three was alleged was to have alleged been. to be the same thing, like little children being murdered by teen boys. So James Patrick Bulger, on February twelfth, nineteen ninety three, he was a two year old boy from England in Kirby, Maryside, England. It's near Liverpool. He was abducted, tortured, and murdered by two ten year old boys. Robert Thompson and John Venables. Thompson and Venables, they led Bulger away from a shopping center. He, Bulger was with his mother at the time. And as his mom was getting into her purse to pay for something, she let go of his hand. And then when she looked back, Bulger was gone. Like her, her son, James, was gone. His mutilated body was found on a railway two and a half miles away from that shopping center in another town near Liverpool and Walton. It's like, I had to look at a map to see like how far these, even it was like two and a half miles, but where, do you know where Liverpool is 
in England. It's like the west side of England. It's close to the sea, to like the Irish Sea. So here's Ireland, here's England. Like Liverpool's right there. So it's really close to the water. Hmm. So they were going from west to east. Um, so Thompson and Venables, they were charged on February 20th, 1993 with abduction and murder. They were found guilty on November 24th, 1993, making them the youngest convicted murderers in British history, and I guess even to this day. They were sentenced to an indefinite amount of time at a child's detention center and remained in custody until a parole board decided to release them when they were 18. But uh, I read that Venables was sent back to prison in 2010 for breaching the terms of his license and then was released on parole again in 2013. But in November of 2017, he was sent back to prison and he's currently still in prison for possessing child sexual abuse images on his computer. Mm. The other kid, I like Thompson, I don't know where he is now. But probably like witness protection or something. Because, I mean, what happened to... When family members found out about James being murdered by these two boys, it became like... Um, televised it, not so much here right yeah Didn't it was across England but I mean the families of the two 10 year old boys were like hardcore shunned I mean the, the parents they right. had to be like secretly put somewhere else or live somewhere else and given different names so okay going to what happened and what they did so on February 12, 1993, James was with his, with his mom at the New Strand Shopping Center. And it had, you know, CCTV is everywhere. It shows him with his mom. He's holding hands with his mom until she goes to pay. She goes to into a shop and she take she lets go of his hand to get in her purse to pay for something. And then she turns around, he's gone. After she found out that he was missing, she was asking everyone around, asking the security, like, where's my son? And the two boys, Thompson and Venables, they were, like, playing hooky. They were skipping school on that day. It was intended that they were there planning to abduct a child that day. Throughout the day, it also shows on the CCTV for that shopping center that Thompson and Venerable were seen shop, shoplifting various items. It was candy, and pay attention to this, mm-hmm. batteries, a troll doll, and then a can of blue paint. So that afternoon, what I said before, James Bulger was missing from the shopping center, and then the... But it seemed later that the two boys took him. So Thompson and Venables approached Bulger, took him by the hand, and led him out of the shopping center. And they took him to the Leeds and Liverpool Canal, which is a quarter mile away from the shopping center, where they dropped him on his head. 
and he suffered injuries to his face. The boys were joking around and pushing Bulger into the canal, and then this is like the other shitty thing. There were so many eyewitnesses seeing this, like this poor little two-year-old crying and like obviously injured. But the two boys, Thompson and Venable, they would come up with a story and they just said, oh, he's our little brother and we're lost and we're going to take him to the police station. Mm-hmm. And people believed them. So the boys took James on another two and a, like a two and a half mile walk further east across Liverpool and they take him to a little town it's called Walton and it's near a bankway and a railway and this is when the one of the boys threw blue paint onto Bulger and they threw it in his eyes they kicked him, they stamped on him, and they threw bricks and stones at him. They placed batteries in his mouth. And then the boys finally dropped like a 22-pound piece of the like a part of a railway. They call it a fish plate. It's like one of those plates that connects the railways together. And that caused Bulger to get 10 skull fractures and then they believe that's how he died they weighed his body down onto the train tracks because they wanted his death to look like an accident like as if he fell on a train on the train tracks himself and then got hit by a train Uh so thompson and venables they laid him across the railway tracks they weighted his head down with like more stones and bricks on his head and his feet hoping the train would hit him i mean the train and then they left him and then three days later later his bot his mangled body is found by other kids who are playing near the train tracks that day the reason why i was tied into child's play because while during the trial and the uh, British tabloid newspaper, newspapers claimed that the attack on Bulger was inspired by the film Child's Play 3 because of the paintball scene and then you know, the part where Chucky has blue paint across his face. I don't remember having a whole lot of paint across his face, but sure. This is something I should go back a little. <laughs> this is something where I was like, Okay, so they, they're in England or in Britain. They have something called, quote-unquote, video nasties. It's kind of like their rating system. I don't... It's like a something that... So Tony Blair was the prime minister at the time. It's something that like came up around that time where video nasties are known as very exploitative horror movies. Mm-hmm. violent movies so this movie was considered a video nasty and then they wanted once this murder happened they wanted the quote unquote video nasties rule to be tightened so during the police investigation it emerged that child's play 3 was one of the films that the venables father had rented they had to this is like during trial like they had to subpoena records or something 
and they gathered months of their uh the family's rental movie rentals and child's play three was one of them and they think that the kids watched the movies because their parents rented it mm-hmm. and then just later on in the trial the movie was the center of all this tab- tabloid panic and this is according to the sun and also i read like another article in the independent because they did a 30 year follow up because this is the 30th year demanding existing copies of this movie to be burned and then journalists claimed the film had influenced this is all journalism stuff it wasn't even brought up in trial it's just like tabloids saying yeah, bringing it up media sensationalism yeah so they think the journalists thought that this movie influenced the two boys to murder james bulger and then it was later on determined that neither had actually seen this movie this, okay, the second murder actually does have some tie-ins to the Child's Play movies because they use this in, like, torturing this girl. So this is still, this is still trigger warnings. So I'm going to now talk about the murder of Suzanne Capper. And she was murdered on in December 1992. So, like, these murders happened, like, within months of each other. And they were not too far from each other. This was in Manchester, England, which is, like, an hour east of Liverpool. Hmm. And this movie, or I shouldn't, this murder was lesser known because with the Bulger case happening, it happening with the two 10-year-olds, that was more sensationalized because it was like 10 year olds killing a small kid and these are like actual adults who like are torturing and hurting a teen girl so this case was kind of like not as sensationalized or public as the other one right so now this is the murder of suzanne capper and i kind of gotta go back in time So Suzanne Capper was, she came, like, her parents were divorced. She was living with her mom and her stepfather. When Suzanne Capper was around 10 years old, she would spend a lot of time with her babysitter. Um, Her name is Jean Powell. Jean Powell and her ex-husband would take care of her sometimes at Jean's house and so Suzanne spent a lot of time often at Jean's house with Jean and her kids growing up it was found out later that Jean was taking Suzanne out of school to make her work as a cleaner in a building to get five pounds a week And then Jean was stealing the money that Suzanne made, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then this is what is so wild and weird to me. And then when the mom confronted Jean, Jean was threatened to burn down 
like Suzanne's mom's house and like threatened to hurt Suzanne. Then another person comes into play. This is another neighbor. Her name is Bernadette McNeely. She moves in a couple houses down from Jean and Bernadette is 24. At the time of Suzanne's death, Suzanne is 16. Jean is 26. Her ex-husband, Glenn, is 29. And then this neighbor, Bernadette McNeely, she's 24. She also has three children of her own. And then, but Bernadette started to live with Jean and her kids with their kids. So it's Bernadette, Jean, their six kids living in one house all of a sudden. And they, by 1992, they all moved in together. And they were starting to, uh, probably this is long beforehand, but they started to do meth amphetamines and then sell it and then deal it in their living rooms while their children are living there. Hmm. They would sell stolen car parts and then they started to sleep with the men that would buy the drugs from them for more money. Hmm. And then this is also more trigger warnings because like they were sleeping with younger people and then they were making Suzanne sleep with some people while Jean was babysitting Suzanne. But then Suzanne became friends with these people because she just spent so much time with them. And so, okay, one of the drug, one of the guys who were buying drugs that they would sleep with was a 16-year-old named Anthony Dudson. He entered into a sexual relationship with both Powell, who was the babysitter, and McNeely, who was the neighbor, as well as Suzanne. The house was frequented a lot by the ex-husband, who is Glenn Powell, he was also a drug addict. And then another 26-year-old by the name of Jeffrey Lee. And then Clifford Pook, who is the brother of Jean, who's the babysitter. Okay. So we have like seven people. Sometime around late November 1992, they had like a... this the. All these people are at Jean's house. They're, they were doing drugs. She's had a party. Suzanne's over because Suzanne always spends time with this family. And then they met a friend of a friend. And this is when they encouraged Jean to sleep with someone by the name of Muhammad Yusuf. And then that pissed Jean off. This is like racism. This is a quote from... I'm, I'm mostly getting this from... A website called allthatsinteresting.com and then I'm mostly getting this uh, from the Manchester Evening News because they did a 30 this is also 30 years later so this is a quote from Jean saying she didn't want to sleep with quote an Arab so she and then one of the people that were egging her on was Suzanne so I don't know why they peed up they like just put all their anger into Suzanne when there's all these people involved. I don't know if Suzanne did drugs, but they did start giving her drugs. But um, 
Suzanne allegedly told Gene Powell that she should sleep with this guy. And then Gene got mad and tied her up and held her hostage for four days and then like released her. And it was, then they had like several spats between the two of them, Gene and Suzanne. But then in another instance, it was the neighbor, McNeely Dudson, who was the 16-year-old Jean babysitter, Glenn, her ex-husband. They all contracted pubic lice, and they all blamed Suzanne for that. Okay. So enraged by this, they forced Suzanne to shave her pubic hair in front of everyone and clean it off the floor. Then McNeely, who was the neighbor that now lives with the babysitter, was convinced that Suzanne had stolen a pink coat from her that was worth around $60, so that really pissed her off. On December 7th, 1992, Jean, Bernadette, the neighbor, they arrive at Suzanne's house and they invite Suzanne over to another party because they say a boy that she likes is going to be there. They lured Suzanne out. They're all high on drugs at this time. And this is when they shave her head, attack her, beat her with wooden utensils and belts, and suffocate her with a plastic bag. That night, they lock her in a cupboard and, you know, cap. Suzanne Capper is screaming all through the night, and that scares their six children living in this house. Uh-huh. So the next day, they take Suzanne's body, I mean, she's still alive and screaming, and they move her to the house that Bernadette was li- living in, the neighbor, who, was li- who used to live a few ho- houses down, and now I guess it's an abandoned house. So they put her... Bernadette McNeely's home where there's no children around and they tie her to a bed frame with cords, rope, electric flat, like fencing wire and a chain and then they started to inject her with amphetamines. This is where child's play comes into play. So at night They stuffed her, they put socks in her mouth so they muffle her screams, and then they would put headphones on playing rave music, and then it was the Chucky saying, hi, I'm Chucky, I want to play, over and over and over again. And then they would take the headphones off, and then they themselves, Bernadette and Jean, whenever they would come into the room, they would say, hi, I'm Chucky, you want to play? Like, egging her on. Right. They burn her skin with cigarettes, then they start to they put her in the they leave her there and she's like covered her in her own urine and feces they put her in the bathtub and they like scrub her skin with like bleach and whatever like so much so that her skin is like starting to peel off and i think the next day they put her in a trunk they have they've prayed out some of her teeth with pliers too they then at night they put her in a trunk in a car that they stole and they take her to a wooded area and then they set her body on fire. She's still technically, and then they drive off. Mm-hmm. She's still like Bernard or Suzanne is still technically alive. She, 
runs to the nearest roadway and then like flags someone down you know they take her to the hospital and then on the way to the hospital she is still coherent enough that she tells the person and the people at the hospital who took her and what happened to her mm-hmm. she goes into a coma and then she eventually dies so in the end Gene Powell, Glenn Powell, and Bernadette McNeely were all given life sentences for Suzanne Capper's murder. But the the neighbor, Bernadette, she she has her sentence reduced to one year for being a model prisoner and because she was filled with so much remorse. Lee was released... He was released from prison in 1998. Pook, who is the brother of Jean, the babysitter, he was released in 2001. And Anthony, who was the 16-year-old that was sleeping with Suzanne, he was released in 2013. So those were the two murders that have tied in with Child's Play and Child's Play 3. Very, very disgusting. Very grisly. Yeah. People are terrible. More shocking than the movie, by far. Yeah. Especially, like, the two ten-year-olds being... I mean, I remember hearing that, and I was like, that's messed... I mean, that's now really... you hear stuff with, like, Slender Man and stuff like that. Yeah, but you don't really that. necessarily hear some of the, the details of The those. gory de- de- yeah. yeah, this is... Yeah. It's... The one with Suzanne, like, makes me so sad, because she... When she... When people found her on the road, she was just, like, so apologetic of like what happened to her she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and then she was very thankful she i don't know like yeah. with all the torture that they well, put her like under the little kid too i don't know he yeah the little kid couldn't do anything because he's two yeah it's so hard to like imagine that situation uh so we'll get into rankings and ratings now um where on your one to five star scale are you going to put child's play three i'm gonna give this movie a Two. Two? Yeah. I honestly didn't even really think about it too much. Uh, on my zero to four star scale, I think I'm going to give it a one. Okay. I mean, the first two are obviously quite a bit better than this one. I mean, it, it held my attention. Right? I, it I liked it more than Nightmare on the Freddy's Dead, honestly. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't remember what I rated that one. Um, I remember I liked it better one. than Dolly Dearest. Yeah. By far, but this one still suffers some of the same problems as Dolly Dearest. But I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's just not. It's clearly rushed. It is a clearly rushed movie. Every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? No, but I'm. I'm kind of curious about the TV show and maybe the other ones, even though I remember just finding them super cheesy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, understanding that Don Mancini has been behind all of it and that hasn't really been farmed out to other people makes me want to watch those things more than if it had been a bunch of different writers. Yeah, if someone else under 
that's why I, I appreciate these movies because it's like one writer doing this like behind one guy yeah yeah so I mean I, I don't think I'd watch this one unless it's part of like a movie marathon that I'm attending like a you know the music box house of horrors 24 hour thing yeah, or something if it's, like that but a part of us like if you watch all because i know music box has done this where they've done all of the yeah last last year the music box did all of the final destination movies like in a row like the only way i would probably watch this is if there was some all chucky movies but there's like seven of them seven or eight yeah there's three four five six yeah, seven and then eight if you count the count reboot. the new one, yeah. And then three seasons of the TV show. So there's more Chucky to watch instead of this. I would certainly go back to the first two. This one's I think would be I would like watch the skip. first one on its own again. Yes, yeah. that's a good scary movie. Even the second one I thought was enjoyable. I had a lot of good parts to it. Anyway, all we're really saying is like this one's the lesser, but yeah. If you out there do want to watch Child's Play 3 as of this recording in October 2023, it's available on Peacock, Fubo, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991moviewrewind. Or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of movies, long show notes, and more. Next week, we're going on to another doll that comes to life movie. We're watching Mannequin 2 on the move. That's on Hoopla, Max, Digital Rental, DHS, DVD, Receiver.